Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how the story sausage is made. On this show we have three central planks to our writing manifesto, plank the first to help you write more, plank the second to help you write better and plank the third to help you be a little bit happier as you do those things. And I do mean that most sincerely. I do want to make you a little bit happier. I would like you to write a little bit more. And I would like you to be able to do that at a level which honours the brilliant ideas you're coming up with. And I know I sound a little bit like I'm putting on my primary school teacher mode there. But we could all do with a little bit of praise sometimes. And maybe as adults... Sometimes we don't let ourselves have that, do we? It's like, oh, no, he's a bit chubby. Only babies want positive feedback. Well done. You know, your ideas are great. When's the last time? Why Why would it suddenly, why would it be a sign of immaturity to to want to sometimes hear your ideas are great? And they are. Like, uh, I, I'm going to get into the uh, purpose of today's episode, which is me uh, chatting with the author, Guy Gunnaratney, uh, for the second time on this show. It's been five years since i interviewed them last and they got a new book out called mr mr a new novel uh and i really enjoyed our last interview and so there's a little bit of a, a risk because i was like well i could ruin it couldn't i could ruin my memory of having had a a very enjoyable and enlightening and meaningful conversation where I felt they came out with a bunch of stuff that I really enjoyed hearing that uh, resonated with me, that got me thinking. Uh, they were really sort of felt like really open and authentic without being pretentious. And, um, and, and so obviously this could have been really bad, couldn't it? I could have alienated them and um, ruined what, felt like a a genuine rapport so you you, i mean uh, maybe i'll just let let that dangle as a little frisson of uncertainty and you can listen to the interview it's going to come up in a minute or so and 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 find out whether whether it was a mistake no i i as a person who has suffered in the past from anxiety and who is autistic i like routine and i devalue novelty and so let's just get any question of surprise out the way and to say I, i really enjoyed this interview it was really good fun and um i've put so mr mr the first novel was in our mad and furious city and it was genuinely my favorite novel that i'd read that year uh and the new one is called mr mr and it's uh about the the narrator is called uh yaya and they are in a in a uk detention center when the novel opens and they are relaying their their story to the sort of the mister of the title this uh sort of nominal audience for the piece and it's a you know I, I, I it's not because i'm being coy but i think it's like novels are not were not designed really for us to read them with the assumption that you'd have be carrying all this freight of explanation about what it is and what the themes are and what you should think about it. So I'm, I'm always slightly, uh, as an author myself, 
I always want to take a slight light touch on describing what a novel is just because it's kind of meant for you to go in with as little sort of prep work done as possible from in terms of other people you know you're supposed to go in and that first sentence opens up a world to you and I, I sort of just I, I feel like I don't, for me to be talking too much about it beforehand you'll you hear this in the interview as well where I, I'm I, you know called upon to give a pricey it just feels a little bit like someone's coming to you know, paint a watercolour, an artist, and then I just go, you know what, I'll just help them out by, I'm, I'm just going to slap a base coat down here, or I'm just going to, a base coat, Tim, you're not, you're not emulsioning a wall, you know, <laughs> I'll just creosote this bit, that's what painting is, isn't it, the only art that I've really watched is, 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 is Bob Ross, so he does use a base coat, because he's using a very, a technique of painting on wet canvas, so, but it's not watercolor is it Tim so yeah well fair enough anyway um back to what I was saying before I I think human beings need praise or I think it's good to know that our ideas are good and Jen I've, I've never done a workshop where people aren't capable of coming out with good ideas with stuff which immediately leads some people to go oh well ideas are easy then they're valueless well no not necessarily like you know, look, there's a lot of human lives. It doesn't make them individually unmiraculous or uninteresting. It just means there's an abundance of miracles in the world, isn't it? And we can all get a bit sort of jaded about it. But people's ideas for stories are generally really good when you support them in suggesting them and you help people to take that high wire act. But look, there's a link for you to pick up a copy of Mr. Mister in the show notes slash description of today's episode if you want to having listened I found this uh, interview really inspiring to be honest and really got me reflecting on my own practice and yeah it's just like good it's just I just find Guy I think they're uh, someone who is able to kind of reflect honestly and with humour and with modesty but also with seriousness on the craft and it makes me feel sort of happy and it makes me feel a little bit less bonkers to be honest to just go this is this is kind of is a weird thing that we're doing isn't it but it's also meaningful and fun that's like such a great place to be isn't it it's like nice it's like it's like what a weird what a weird thing to be to to write and isn't there a, a lot of strange paraphernalia uh, festooning the whole ritual but through that kind of jungle of knickknacks and in some cases distractions underneath it isn't this fundamental impulse that we as humans have to tell and share and listen to stories really cool and worthwhile and in some small way revelatory and transformative I, 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 I'm, not, I'm getting in front of the interview now to say a bunch of stuff and I'm doing exactly what I said I wouldn't with a book which is is to provide an exegesis on it so I'm, I'm not going to talk about it anymore except to say look 
if you like the show and you'd like to support it you can go on to my coffee page that's ko-fi.com forward slash tim claire drop me a few beans say it every time i realize talking about it uh it can become a bit where maybe you know you, you know about it so you don't need me to if you haven't listened to the show before you know about it you, you know what i'm going to say uh so i, I won't continue with that except that it does support the show and it's what allows me to do it so it's it's definitely appreciated if it makes sense for you to support the show and you'd like to um and it's something you want to do then that is an option open to you. it's an avenue there i'm you know passing around the hat but um i have no way of trying to guilt trip you into it except what i'm doing now um sorry that was cheeky uh and also there's a discord there's uh the death of a thousand cuts discord i, I know for you might be listening in the I, what's discord and that's how i was until the pandemic to be honest because it largely started out as a platform for people playing online games to communicate with each other as sort of an external third party of like live chat app but now it's used for all sorts of stuff, including like sort of mini uh, forums, I guess, like the, like like we had 20 years ago, where you can just chat, and that's what we've used to set. We've set up just a very simple Death of a Thousand Cuts forum where people talk a bit about the show, but m- mainly about writing books they're reading, about the publishing industry. They people share their work uh so you can just oh, there's a link to that in the show notes uh you might if you don't have discord you can download it if you do you don't have to but it's like it will take a bit of working out if you've not done it before like it can be a tiny bit intimidating but it's fine to join us and even ask because you know we all have to start somewhere and it'd be lovely to have you there and uh, it might help you with your writing and the the people there are lovely and I've got a book out as well, Coward, Why We Get Anxious and What We Can Do About It, is my latest. It's a non-fiction book. It's a bit, sort of a bit of a, it's not self-help, a little bit of a story about me and my experiences of anxiety and a little bit of a sort of pop science book about anxiety and panic and the science behind them and all the different ways that people have looked into trying to get over them. And i got a couple of novels out, so um, I'll put links to them in the show notes as well. But I always appreciate it if you want to check out some of my work and see how I put all of this into practice. That's it, right? I'm not going to talk any more except I am, but in the past, in this recorded interview. I hope you enjoy this. I, 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 I found this like really just very, it was like getting a little watering can and, and watering the window box of my brain and my heart having this chat. So I hope it does uh, some semblance of that for you as well. Uh, so please, I beg of you, enjoy my talk with... Guy Gunnaratney. And maybe this is a, I mean, maybe this is a good place to start because last time I spoke to you, I remember one thing you said that really stuck with me was that you were at this place where your novel had come out and a bunch of people had liked it and there was a sort of element of that being nice, but not necessarily helpful for the process of writing a a second novel all those readers you can't bring them with you to to share the burden of the work they're just voices in your head potentially being disappointed or dismayed if you try to 
make any innovation or take any risk whatsoever. They're just a crowd of people that could be... Those weren't your words, but you were saying you had to sort of almost say, go you know, I'm going to go and write something else. If you like it, great, but I'm not writing it for you. And I want to... I, I'd just like to know about the how the process has, has, has been for you since then. Yeah, I... I... I remember it. I remember our chat actually, uh, five, God, five years ago. And it being in it, like, in a, he caught me in a particularly strange <laughs> <laughs> moment. But yeah, a lot had happened with the book. Um, and I was sort of, sort of caught, um, so to speak. I was sort of, um, I don't, I don't think I had, uh, anticipated my own reaction and response to, that sort of thing, like having lots of people pay attention. And I think we we discussed the fact that like I at the time meeting writers for the first time and actually making friends since then, I was under the impression that it felt very different in that I hadn't ever grow I didn't I didn't go to like an MFA thing and, and I hadn't ever, ever ever had any friends who aspired to be um, writers and really neither did I. So when all this happened um it was sort of like you realize other people would sort of kill for this position but like knowing that i i just i wouldn't have i just wouldn't have <laughs> killed <laughs> um i wouldn't have uh it, it just felt uncomfortable and i again i didn't anticipate me doing that part of me was like no i should really take the opportunity enjoy this and actually engage and pull myself into this part of the creative process which is very public can um, be very sort of constant and um apparent in the world <laughs> for everyone huh. um at the same time yeah i suppose knowing that um really feeling that once i got back to the desk and actually started writing like it it felt um i wouldn't even go so as far as to say it was almost debilitating it really sort of stopped me making anything and not actually to do with um expectation or anything like that it was mostly um i don't know my brain was less quiet it wasn't so much um other people's opinions and like other people's waiting and things they would say about the book or me it was mostly to do with like i just i don't know i just need to vacate part of my brain to be able to fill it with things or, or at least feel sensitive enough for things to bleed through and they just weren't it did there was a blocker and i knew that was probably just because i was getting too much stimulus elsewhere and so yeah i think it was around the time just after i spoke to you which is no reflection on our, our conversations i just stopped doing a lot <laughs> like afterwards i just stopped um talking about things as much and um sort of retreated which i think has been good like it um it's good and bad, um, but it certainly helped uh, the writing of the book in that, I, you know, I was sort of afforded and afforded myself uh, time and space to to um, explore further. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of always, I'm not, well, no, I'm not always conscious, but I am sometimes conscious <laughs> that... Um, of when I'm talking to writers and, you know, it happened during our conversation, you even sort of brought it up, I think, but that I don't want to sort of nudge people I'm talking to into 
performing the kind of author archetype that we all sort of climb into the author clown suit and start kind of tap dancing for an imaginary sort of literary festival audience being very authory and doing this kind of social archetype that has nothing really to do with storytelling but has everything to do with the idea of what an author's job is and what their cultural function is and what the expectations around around that are and 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 so i i I do kind of get that i i i think and it's hard because I, i think i never feel less like a writer when i'm actually writing and i feel most like a writer when i'm imagining what i would say in response to a very clever interview question like and, and they're two kind of different roles I, I, I is that sort of I, i'm wondering whether you seem to sort of be slightly more on top of this than me like that you that you you've got like an, a slightly healthier distance from the whole thing because you didn't you said you, it was not something that you particularly it's not that you haven't been pleased that your book's been well received but it's not something that you particularly had in your crosshairs as something you were aspiring to well it, it just was it, it um because if you've sort of built up what success is, is supposed to look like and feel like um, uh, in relation to whatever sort of field you're in, and then once those things happen, you, you feel some kind of validation. Whereas I, I sort of, I, I didn't, I don't know, like I, I honestly didn't know half of these things existed the year before, like these things happened, happened, like prizes and things. I just, honestly, it wasn't, um, it it felt um yeah it did it did feel like fit, filling a role because once those things happen you you are then sort of you, you do feel a, a sense of um strange projection by people at the same time like having conversations with with other writers and sort of sort of been being slightly bemused by everyone's tendency to to want to be um seen all the time and i think like if it, um I don't know. I think it might be just a sensibility thing. Like I, I, I don't know. Like I do like being alone. Like I kind of. It's it's not that I I, I get a little really anxious about um, public sort of events or anything or, or talking in public. I don't really feel very nervous ever. But um, it is just afterwards where you feel like. You, you do feel like this strange pantomime has occurred when you're like <laughs> talking and explaining yourself or your book um, in ways that don't are never quite adequate or are never never quite match up to the experience of writing thing. You're, you're asked to explain things that are very um, uh, difficult for you to even think about, let alone write about, and that's kind of part of parcel of how I tend to write through things. So to then go to find some strange abstraction to speak through for other people, it, it's really it feels quite taxing and, and difficult. Uh, not that at the same time, I still sort of enjoy the one on one thing. So sometimes like my favorite thing is like the signing where I actually talk to people one on one when it's just like an actual person. I'm talking to them, I get their name. <laughs> actually, they talk, to, they talk to me about things and I actually get to write a little response to them, maybe. Um, when I, as I'm signing, but I don't know. I, the thing is, like with our conversation last time, you were very disarming in that in in a, in a way that made me feel like I actually talk about these things quite openly. And I think, and I'm not usually like that. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, I really like actually talked about how strained it was, and I was feeling quite worried that I, I came off um, ungrateful or like or <laughs> overly <laughs> uh, harsh uh, all this amazing amazing things that have happened. But it is that you kind of I think I mentioned this last time. You you wanted a, like a new contract with a reader. You're with, without being rude it's sort of like look i'm gonna go away now and write a thing and not think about you at all in order to, to figure out like something new for you to read like something else that you're not expecting um is that okay yes okay rather than like cool is this what you want okay i'll give you more of that um i kind of want to reset slightly and if i have that kind of relationship with it with anyone who like the first book and wants to read anything else so right it's I'd rather that kind of relationship where I'm like, do you want to be surprised again? Cool, cool. Then I'll, I'll go away and figure it out. <laughs> Hopefully not for five years next time, but I'll figure it out, figure something out. I, I think um, I, I, I think since we had that conversation, some of the subsequent interviews I did, I noticed that tendency sort of happening again and again with writers, especially ones who'd had sort of books that had been well received, where often afterwards they found writing a bit harder than they'd expected before that that wasn't it was it was affirming but it it made them sort of start second guessing themselves a little bit um and also that they often went in this kind of cycle this like sinusoidal wave of sort of being a little bit more aware of the audience and then often you know people's books that they were happiest with came at a point where they'd almost kind of gone you know what, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to do the equivalent of uh, opening the kind of like emergency inflatable uh, slide on the plane and going, I quit and like sliding out and going like, look, I don't, I'm sorry, I can't, I, I can't tap dance for you anymore. I'm really glad that you liked it, but I can only be me. So I'm just writing this book that is just for me. And then they'd write that and people would really like it. And they'd go, whoops, <laughs> oh no, what have I done? Now people care about me again. And the, so, and that's how it gets, and then, and then it gets you again, you know? And then you're kind of like, oh, I do, maybe I don't want to quit actually. I quite like this. So can you talk a bit, a little bit about um how you got over that and got into the writing of, uh, Mr. Mr. Because at the, you know, we're talking about this uh, at the point. Luckily, we can talk about this with a little bit of a smile because the book is finished and it's out and it's being read by people. So we know that there's a happy ending in that sense. So can you talk a little bit about how you how you kind of like just uh, worked your way through uh, that period of, you know, stopping and backing away a little bit? Oh, man, it, it's difficult for me because there's a, a bunch of things happened during the writing of the thing. Um, that buffeted just as much as sort of like you know public expectation or, or impression like it, it uh, I had two kids um, I sort of spent a lot of my time in and out of London sort of came over to Sweden in Malmö and sort of traveled pretty much every week I got like um, a residency at, at Cambridge where I could actually I could thankfully write in peace and quiet um, and be taken care of for, for a little while and then there was a there was a bunch of things that sort of like it was really it was really tumultuous period of like life but I, I do remember the one thing 
that um, got me through or sort of I made myself pay attention to was was um, the thing I, I wouldn't have known the first time, which is like if if I was always telling myself if I have the opportunity to to keep writing, like it will always feel like an astonishing gift to be able to do in the first place. So with that alone, and without even thinking about other people reading it, just with the the, the opportunity to do this, it has to be a massive swing. Like it has to be like a big it has to be worth it it has to be worth everyone else's like getting your for example getting my residency at trinity college it fit it, it um it felt like no one gets this no one gets to write in for their lives anyway so like that no one gets to do this if, if i'm going to do it i'm really gonna go really gonna push hard and and creatively what that practically means is um doing quite severe things yeah like um quitting parts of your social life and uh focusing for a little bit asking just the forgiveness for people from people just to say look let me do this like my like my, my my partner and i had children and the, the, the first couple of months of my daughter's life um uh it was really difficult like it was really like trying just the family to to, to ask my partner and people to be understanding while I actually like sort of push off with this project. Uh, and then and just being okay with traveling every week, just to try and make parts of your life keep balance whilst you're trying to make, make a effort or summon the kind of courage to actually do the thing. Um, and you know, sort of practically, but then also when you are sort of staring back or the work is sort of staring back at you, I think personally need to just do a lot of self-inquiry where you just have to figure out like what it actually means um, to ask the questions you're you're asking with, with your work. And that, I don't know, like I, I, I'm talking like this is like what I have to do every time. I hope this isn't what I have to do every time. But with this book in particular, it seemed to demand a lot uh, and ask the kinds of questions that felt really vital to me personally to answer for myself. Um um, and those things can be really confrontational. I, I, w- I would have, I would have thought if in any other condition in my life, any other time in my life where those questions were asked in a, in a novel, like about identity and, and, um, uh, transgression, uh, if I was, if I asked myself those kinds of questions in a creative project in any other time in my life, I probably wouldn't have had the courage or the, the, the time, honestly, and the space to to really dig deep and answer them properly but as it was I, I found myself in like being given like a little stipend and a, and a desk in a room in Cambridge and at home like my partner's just very good at giving me a, a minute just to, to write through a thing like having those people support you is a huge deal um, and so because of that because of those conditions and like those demands that I sort of like made of myself uh you you get to do that so honestly what what it comes down to is like taking the thing seriously like being like like making sure that your your um 
almost to a ludicrous level taking the thing as seriously as you possibly can and, and sort of being unembarrassed by being so earnest about it <laughs> like I, I kind of you know I, it feels embarrassing to say out loud but I take it really seriously so so um I think that there was a switch that happened after that all the wonderful things with the, with the first book and all the all the the positives that come from that is the fact that like you know you feel slightly heartened that what you're doing is worth it and so you you double down on that and go all right if if everyone else agrees then i'm just gonna really really go for it this time can i ask i'm just conscious of this before we go any further i was wondering if you'd be able to um give a little pricey of mr mister and the reason i'm asking you to do it is because before when i i just like i've got to a point where i realized i was sort of i I'd, I'd give a summary of the novel uh back to the author in a way that uh, when i'd listen back would sound very patronizing so um well do, do you do you have something weird because I, I kind of i'm a kind of awful of it i'm probably way worse than you would ever be like do you i mean if you don't it's fine i'll try but like do you have a I mean, my 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 sense of it uh, is that it's. I mean, the the problem is that I often give things that are maybe not um very good. Uh, like like you, uh, maybe I've got like a slightly authory approach to it. So I'll start talking in terms of genre. I would sort of say, well, is it like first? So it's like first person. I would sort of see it as a epistolary like in in some in some ways but obviously at the same time that's uh a little bit of a uh, uh you know it's a format and you know how literal do we interpret and, and immediately people are just like you know i, I i've done this before and i see them sort of losing the will to live and then i go god i gotta tap dance faster okay um and and but essentially it's a novel uh about um uh, 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 about uh, you know this person's giving an account of what I'm again I'm dancing around spoilers but why they've done some of the things that they've done while giving a sense of while kind of taking in an entire uh nation and all the things that feed into that in a way that ultimately i think it would make you question uh whether they really you know how culpable they are at all or how much those things were done uh as a kind of team effort by the things around them does that i mean that seems like i'm i think whenever you describe something thematically it can always make something seem a bit trite because uh, of course a novel isn't its themes it's its characters it's an experiential thing we're not trying to just give i'm presuming a a, a message but rather a polyphony of different voices and and complicate things uh and but that's how i would kind of put it oh, thank you like I, i'm glad because I, I kind of i feel like I always have, I have the same difficulty and it sort of speaks to the same thing. It's really difficult to, like there's a blurb and you can read the back, you know what I mean? Like I feel there's that version of the book where it's, it's packaged in a way to, with very smart people to figure out like how people would, to have people read something enough 
on a on a on a leaflet or a back of the book to kind of like go okay I'll pick it up. But yeah, it's really difficult for me to do. It. I'll give it a go though. I think I think essentially it's 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 right. Like it's a, the story of a um, a young man called Yaya Bas um, who finds himself in like a UK detention centre at the beginning of the book, and he is relating sort of his life story um to someone he refers to as mister this is sort of a shadowy figure asking the questions as he's talking so it's sort of like a, a monologue he's 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 relating his life um he's in, in jail primarily because he has said and done things that are questionable and his very identity in terms of his sort of um british his relationship to britain and um his sort of Britishness is under question. But the course, I mean, the course of his life begins in sort of East Ham in London. He, he exiles himself eventually, um, gets in trouble, exiles himself, goes to Syria and comes back again. And it's the moment when he comes back again, like he's caught and is detained and asked questions. And the book, I suppose, is sort of written, sort of framed around this sort of picaresque form which is sort of this tumbling narrative like a life in times tale um sort of defoe and dickens and, and that kind of thing um where traditionally in that picaresque tradition you have like this roguish figure you can't exactly um trust entirely and it was a way i think for me to give an experience like a reading experience that feels very playful and very sort of um, lots of instances of rug pulling, but like there, there is a, there is an energy to those novels that I read about all those Dickensian sort of uh, poor orphan becomes gentleman types of narratives. But I hope also subverts the entire tradition. Like he is someone that tries really hard to evade imposed definitions of who he is. He evades and slips through ideas of neat identity formulations and that's i think that's what i was trying to poke at and interrogate what makes a person a person um given that this young man sort of grows up in a period of british history where ideas of britishness and culpability um uh, are up in the air it goes through like the iraq war 9 11 the sort of migrant crisis and um the syrian civil war um to like recent claims around citizenship the shamima begum case sort of bled into the narrative later on um so these things i think will feel familiar to anyone who's been sort of paying attention to to, to british politics over the last 25 years or so uh, but these are these are things i think that all of us will find a familiarity with with yaya's story like Although hopefully it problematizes what we might think a young man like Yaya Bas is like. But as I say, this is like it's a difficult thing to to do, and, I, and I'm in awe of anyone who tries to attempt to <laughs> and does it well, like uh, to, to to give a summation of it. Yeah, sorry, I realised now when you said picaresque and you said Dickens and Defoe that the reason I was stumbling over words you know when you're going to say something and you go no I can't explain it like that because that's going to make me sound dumb I was like going don't say well it's a bit like Forrest Gump (laughs) so but that's a format right 
No, but exactly. It's, it's a format. But before it's come, like, I remember watching it as a kid going, yeah, shit, this is an amazing film. Like, subsequently, there were issues with it. <laughs> but, like, I used to I love that. I've always loved that kind of story of just watching someone become, you know. And I'm, I'm always, always disappointed when they do become the thing, because the thing is always, like, some rich gentleman or um, some coherent individual or some weird materialistic affirmation. You know what I mean? Like, it's always that. Yeah, and often, I it's funny that you said about the... Because then looking at the Syria bit, like, in those stories, that's often the person either gets press-ganged or whatever. They go away to sea, and then they return, and there's been this kind of, like ugly duckling to swan transformation where they come back and they're received as a gentleman or they've made their fortune you know they went to holland and they ended up getting like a diamond off some kind of dutch trader or whatever and then they come back and they're like oh my fortunes have completely changed everyone sees me now as this great person that i always was whereas this is sort of almost you know someone returning and having their sense of self sort of yeah yeah could you could you talk a little bit about how has your um do you how and if it hasn't that's fine as well but i i sense that it has and which is why it's a slightly leading question how has your approach or your sense of what you need to do with a character and how you need to approach it changed from when you're writing the first novel are there things you learned was there a sense that you needed to go you talked about taking it seriously was there a sense of you needing to go harder which seems like quite tricky given how you know the first novel doesn't feel like a kind of tentative flinching uh story but can you talk a little bit about that uh do you mean in terms of the character like yeah yeah um so the overriding feeling i've had with this novel is like w- w- during the last five six years of writing it, what it did feel like I was holding on to dear life for a lot of lot of the time. Like yeah yeah, his voice very much came first, and then everything else sort of formed around it, and it was a, just a manic um, scramble. A lot of the early years where I was just trying to figure out like what like he won't shut up. Like it's usually like the the, the opposite where you're trying to tease something out of a thing but like he there was too much um and it was a lot it was mo- most of my time was figuring out like um how I could um shape it at all because he he kept sort of undermining everything that's the that's the thing like it started off being a, a, a straightforward story about a, a boy trying to find his father but he just almost just laughed at that entire thing like he he got to the point where i was like really this i'm not i don't care like i really don't care <laughs> what you want me to <laughs> yearn for this absence i love this absence i want to imagine into this absence it can be amazing look what i can do um and it, it was it was almost like meeting a, a friend who was troubled um and you're worried about like pushing him too far because he'll just run away screaming or like spin you some other tale that that you're trying to sift through to get the truth out of like and that it just became the the feeling or the the experience of writing the thing it was um 
he really unruly, <laughs> ungovernable, which which meant that I got to ask questions about that. Like he's a bad subject. And so the questions became, what is it like? What's 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 interesting being a, being a bad, incoherent subject in a tradition where you're supposed to become more coherent and you're meant to neaten up <laughs> and <laughs> produce yourself, present yourself to the world. Um, what happens when you uh, do the opposite, when you unravel all the things that you're inherited with or you, you, in, you inherit or, 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 or are given? But like I, I um, the response to this, so that feel like when I say like I, I hope it was an inc- sort of extraordinary experience writing the novel, but like I, I really hope that's that now. I, I, I hope the next experience with my other novels, and I've started the next one already. Like I, I hope they're different because um, I have a feeling that I, I don't know, I'm slightly exhausted <laughs> uh, in many in many ways. Like it, it's a kind of book I'm glad I wrote now. And I don't know if I could handle doing that again. Um, and also like just it, it I think, cr- create more interesting to find something else that might be a bit more tighter and you have a little bit more control over. I always remember um, Tony Morrison talking about Oh, it's one of my favorite characters. I always forget name. Aunt, I think, in in Song of Solomon. You know, the character was this mad earring and the skeleton in the in the in the roof. An extraordinary character, which Tony Morrison was very wary of because it's the kind of character that can easily take over a novel if you let her. The the, the something something there's something in the voice that's compelling and exciting and like and worry and with a with a more mature eye you're like mm, i'm gonna watch watch that one because this is this book's about this not her and for me yeah yeah it was difficult to maintain control and i think that's important if you're uh, right like just to make sure that you're actually in control of the thing rather than the the characters that became more apparent and it wasn't the case the first time the first time it it was they they were all five of the characters seemed very um, reticent to to give me anything, and it was more a listening process and trying to tease things out. This time it was just too much, and I, you know, it was trying to find a more or less generous form for it to fit into. Which a picaresque is a is a generous form. So the next, so my response now is like, right, let me take a breath and detach a bit and really think about where I'm headed. So if something tries to usurp <laughs> my authority <laughs> my authorial control the, the thing is i say this and i've many writers who are like i i sort of adore who are like yeah you think this and then you'll go in and again you'll be surprised um so it's probably just folly <laughs> trying to assert yourself I did. I didn't want. I didn't want to say. I didn't want to say anything. But every every time someone has cracked their knuckles on their next book, and they they've got themselves their little moleskin, and they've and they've ruled a page, and they've put some bullet points, and they're like, going, here's the skeleton of my story, and I'm not gonna. I'm just like, oh my sweet summer child, please, please. And I know, like, it's not my. It just. It isn't my. Uh, I'm just not the kind of person to just plan and execute i'm just not that way um they have to begin very open 
and openness is is I think crucial. It's just I think I, th- I just I'm just more aware, more wary because it, it is it's a destructive thing. It, it was a destructive thing. It's sometimes a good way, like personally, but like it it takes a lot of time and you I I can't like it becomes very like very particular. Like it, I have I've always loved um um like I don't know stories of like how writers create their their most important works like Arthur Miller would just disappear upstairs from what for the mornings and the kids and the family just had to wait at 12 midday when he just literally switched off and spent time and actually lived the life after um closed the door like I have a little little girl four-year-old and I love when she peeks into my office and sort of like totters in and I can't close the door man like I, I can't cl- I can't do that I'm just not that way and so if if I want to maintain that, I kind of have to maintain some handle on what I'm doing, you know, because it, it, you must know it, it sort of it uh, affects your day to day. Yeah, that's, I think that's what I'm thinking about. Like, I'm, I'm just more, I just need to be a bit more emotionally prepared, perhaps. You make it sound when you're talking about these characters uh, like it's a form of sort of mediumship you know the way that you're talking about them and listening to them and I realize I I do sort of understand that you know it's distinct and these are characters that are your inventions but I just mean on a sort of analogous level that you're listening and some voices are kind of quiet and you have to tease them out and other voices if you let them would be would drown out i guess i guess that's the flip side of what you're saying as well right that when you have these trick these kind of garrulous trickster characters like like yeah yeah that you've got these people who maybe would monologue on almost anything uh if you gave them the chance they would they and you you get a kind of hypergraphia that maybe isn't entirely all useful and it might dry out dr- drown out some of the subtler voices is is that I mean, do you, is that how your, your, you know, your writing is like is and I'm I'm conscious of not wanting to sort of nudge you into stuff that you feel is too sort of pretentious or kind of like self mythologizing. But is it a a, a process of almost kind of semi automatic writing of of listening? And I don't know. I I don't think it's all that um, mystical. I think it's not like it really is. Because it isn't, there's no, there's no part of that process where you're just literally, literally sitting and, and hearing things. Like it, it happens as I'm writing, like on a, on a sentence level where you're like, where you're, um, trying to find some approximation of this, I suppose, current or like a frequency or like a register of a voice, right? You can, you can hear it as you're writing it. But it is it is that writing. So the the I I you know you're you're twisting and turning a sentence and a, and a term, a phrase where it, where it gets you somewhere. But there is something happens within that process that when it's good it is completely like surprising. Something happens or something is said that suddenly trigger a chain of imagined uh possibilities and i suppose in a in a very sort of sober 
interpretation um, that is sort of putting a, a approximate words, which are always going to be inadequate to really sort of put language to your internal or interiority. Um, but when you do get close enough to, to, to sort of unconscious levels of experience, there are genuine insights, right? They're, they're genuine like uh, epiphanies that, that occur. And there is a part of that that really does feel other than you. Like there, it, there's parts you just can't explain. You can't explain it. You really can't explain it because it's, I think there is a, there are valences or, or, or uh, shades of yourself that you're really just unaware of until you you lend them language. I think perhaps that's closer to what's going on. I mean, there are I mean there are other interpretations of this. Like um, I still can't understand quite and find it hard to talk about how conditions of flow sort of provoke almost of shattering experiences like when when I'm really in like it, it really did does feel like a subsuming force that again you're you're just sort of tagging along to but it, it, it is so fascinating to think about to talk about with other writers because I know other writers have, have, have felt this strange thing and it is very strange um and part of me doesn't want to give it language and that's that's kind of also a beautiful thing it's a, a part of the, the creative experience that denies you anytime you try to put words like flow <laughs> <laughs> onto it yeah that's as far as i can i guess i i guess that's also has the that experience has the i guess fringe benefit i'm going to call it of uh not having anything to do with how a book's received or the commercial side of things right like it's that's an experiential thing that is just available to you in how you approach your craft yeah i mean it's also just far far more interesting than the other thing yeah 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 i mean you do you, you know you get a lot of these See, it's happened again. You've disarmed me to the point where I'm just going to be completely honest about, <laughs> about like questions you get asked about, like very publishy questions that have got to do with how books are out in the world, which I, you know, it's a mystery to me. And I'm grateful that other people get to are are doing it uh, on behalf of the book, but like I don't know how. I get to know in the ways in which books spur conversations around things. Like while I I really love the experience, it's just the, the most um, effortlessly beautiful thing in my life, apart aside from my children that I you know I get to do like a or or, or, or be with um, in my life. I really love sharing the experiences with, with, with other writers and other and just readers. Like I, I really like relating to them um, in terms of the experience of writing. Uh, but yeah, it's just I just I, I can feel myself deadened when <laughs> <laughs> questions are asked about like what like the next phase, which is you know 
really has got nothing to do with me. And I, if I'm honest, like I, there's also part of me that's uh, just to go back to the first question about just I, I'm just I worry about what that would do if I paid more attention to how a book does uh, or performs in the world in whatever measure financially or whatever sales wise or um, prize wise or anything like that. And I, I really worry about what that would do to my ego and whether it would block actual good work. Like God, that would terrify me if if I wouldn't know whether the the thing the idea that would come along next is actually worth it or if it's like something I'm responding to based on artificial measures. Yeah, because you sometimes I suppose like <laughs> it's you know not to do people down, but sometimes I guess you get questions like you've just been long listed for the Guildford Mills. How do you feel? And you're just like well, I didn't know I didn't know that existed until you said it. Like, <laughs> is it is it good? I suppose it's nice that someone has picked it. I yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, I felt so like genuinely that's actually happened to me. <laughs> Like it, it was like fuck that yeah okay yeah great it's probably have a has a strong and story tradition i'm glad i can be part of that you know <laughs> like, <laughs> i wouldn't have known um whether whether it had existed at the same time you get to learn right you get to actually talk to people who, who um and it we and it actually does like i'm thing is those like to take that example in particular like when when a book does well and is considered um in in a tradition so it's talked about in so for example it's re- it's related to novels behind so with this book mr mr has been talked to talked around um gunter brass's tin drum which is one of my favorite books of all time and it was completely a huge sort of draw like i, I stole so much from that novel in terms of like how to shape a journey and will always just be part of what i think about and and the 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 tone I would always sort of dip into if I wanted to write a book like this it was always there but like you do I am interested in that right I'm interested in like writing in a tradition like see where you where you come and also what you're trying to push without being too self sort of aggrandizing or like or trying to think of a book uh, more than what it could possibly be but like once it's out in the world the, the really interesting thing is how it can sort of talk to the novels that came before it or the the kinds of works that came before it like i find that really interesting also interesting criticism generally in general like it, it it's really interesting to see um how any book talks back to responds to tries to um make fun of or like just uh um just as an act, as a creative act, I think that's really interesting. And how just discussing it and talking about it, you know, that's some of my favourite conversations I've had with like my friends, who are like poets and writers, where where their 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 response is a creative one, it isn't like a rant or a rage at a thing, or even like an effusive love letter. It's almost like it's uh, it's produced something out of you and then this book certainly was produced out of like my reading of other novels but yeah I, I think of that in terms of like yeah like you you're, it's long listed for a prize that has like a history of all these other writers and you do think about that you're like oh that's cool right that that novel um is also 
a couple of novels back, it was this novel that that that, that produced this other one. It's cool. It's it's a cool thing to be part of. It's a conversation almost. Yeah, it make it makes me think how. I mean, this is you know, slight, but you just what you're saying is like how uh, Howl's Moving Castle kind of came out of the author's uh, Win Win Jones's sort of feeling of like palpable outrage at C.S. Lewis's Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Narnia having this sense that uh, magic becomes inaccessible to you when you become an adult. She was just outraged at that as a message and wanted to write a fant- a portal fantasy well partly a portal fantasy with an old lady as the main character as kind of and in a way it's not speaking to the Narnia books at all like it's you know in many ways it doesn't have any thematic uh, dialogue with those books but like you say it was I think yeah like authors can sometimes for all sorts of reasons good and bad you know you can love a book and you want to almost kind of just relive it and kind of hang out there with your own characters and play in that world end up making kind of creative responses uh like they say rather than going on a uh, on a on a rant yeah but but yeah i mean it's it that's kind of beautiful in that something is produced to have almost sometimes like a negative (laughs) feeling like um there's part of this novel where yeah it kind of plays with with dickens but also like because it's it's around sort of piercing myths around coherent individuation you i I looked at like okay wolf like it's the writer that i really really love and it's meant a lot to me um but there are sort of illegitimacies around um her writing which to me it's like a complex emotion i really love i can't there's no part of me that denies that i really love that that writing those books uh and would read them as i wrote mr mr and sort of pulled from them and drawn it it's clearly there's clear elements in the novel that sort of relate them and elliot like there there are things that when i got close to ya ya the only reference points can't be dickens it can't be places because uh, when you got to his sort of when he starts to write poetry for instance i needed to draw from different places so i, I drew from a different period of history where where you know there were intellectual work trying to redefine and actually was aware that this notion of a coherent individual was a myth so was actually trying to problematize it and I, so I drew from Wolf and Elliot and people like this. So, but you know, whilst I love those, the, like that kind of writing from that period, I also enjoyed trying to tussle with the problems and the things that are offensive and make me feel a certain way. But that's a complex emotion, and I don't, and I wanna, I, I'm not scared of it. You know, like I'm not worried about it. I kind of wanna almost produce something beautiful out of it i wanted to ask how do you i suppose i i I think out of a out of a certain meekness of temperament i'm always scared of complexifying things and then having execute uh accusations of being how do you do that without how have you got around doing that without being woolly 
and without ending up in a kind of very academic place of basically just going, well, you know, some, you know, it, well, it's kind of this, but it's kind of that. So, uh, land of contrasts, human beings, ladies and gentlemen, you know, how do you, how do, how do we get away from just kind of going, well, you know, some people are good. Sometimes they've also got bad in them as well. So that's, uh, com- people are complex. Good night. Like, obviously, like, that's not where you end up. But how do you complexify stuff without just breaking down into, because you could argue, for example, in the age that we live in, of kind of like post-truth, truth kind of Russian propaganda, where it's just like, maybe I did it. Maybe I didn't. You Where the, the notion that something can be true has been so kind of deliberately, uh, skepticism has kind of been weaponized to to like defend the worst people how do you kind of how are you locating it in in that way you're still managing to be skeptical in an age where uh you know we're in we're in a state where there's there's but many people sort of almost like hiding behind this uh back this buttress of just relative skeptical chaff thrown into the air sorry that was a very sort of like that was more that was more sort of historical and thematic and grand than i meant it to be it was a genuine question but i just tried to anchor it in something that sounded scholarly and of the moment no no it it makes uh um no it it sort of provokes me generatively like I, i do i do i do feel as if there is relatively recently like a move towards um, seeing the positive and just holding two ideas in your head at once. Um, there's a book that came out recently, I think in the UK, it's out in the US, with uh, the Claire Dederer's Monsters, which she actually systematically goes through, like many of the writers that writers and artists that have um, uh, been labelled monsters, and does so very gently um, and in a wonderful way, inconclusively, um, uh, it, it lets you sit with things and think. And it just makes me think that maybe we just have to find peace with knowing that not everything demands absolute comprehension and sort of seizing rationally. Um, I just, I see in the same way I see why people love things it doesn't feel rational to me to love anything today but to think about rationality when it comes to love is to, to miss the point okay like I, I i think about um there's a writer called uh edouard glissant he's like a poet and philosopher he's a caribbean sort of philosopher sort of um talks about the archipelago as like a, a real a, a place to really th- think again beyond sort of western conceptions of individuality and um uh, society really uh, and talk about ourselves in relation and not so much as also fixed positions or atomized individuals we have to think about each other as uh, relations between just like language and he talked to, talked about like the, the word I'm going to mess up the French but like uh, comprendre, comprendre I think mm-hmm. it is where where he he says the idea like that western idea of like the way you understand things and the western concept of knowledge is something to do with comprehending which, which is related to a very colonial perspective of seizing a thing comprehend is apprehending um for yourself 
meaning where whereas i think glissant is sort of like saying being okay not knowing and understand there are parts of all of us that aren't for each other there is an opacity that should probably be acknowledged and um, respected there are parts of myself i don't it's just for me it's not for the world and to understand anyone entirely is almost an, it is an impossibility so it for things that like enrage us and repulse us about others i think um doesn't necessarily lead us inevitably to denunciation and um cancellation and um sending them sort of casting them off into into nothing it, 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 it as i say in the same way like i want to engage in sort of the illegitimacies of like of writers and artists and poets who have sort of tussled with the same kind of ideas i want to engage with um I'm really glad they exist. I'm really glad they're published. I'm really glad they're they're around for me to like act on and engage with and sort of respond to properly, right? Seriously. But then again, that doesn't mean I'm like happy with people spouting crazy shit all over the internet for people to sort of um, go on to. And the thing is, the only way I can really answer a question like that is to write a novel like this, which is like, okay, yeah, it's about 400 pages, man. <laughs> it's just like it's not, that's the only way to actually go through this, and it's not going to answer it. It's just going <laughs> to perform thinking about it, and you just get to think with me for a bit. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. I, I just like I, I just to sort of finish off, and it, it's a real like I sort of hate doing this to you because it's got a lovely sort of. Uh, nuanced and happy ending there and I just want to put you on the spot slightly but you you've been taught you've been sort of uh, name checking various writers who you've enjoyed um or who were an influence or who uh you know you got a more complex complex relationship with but a relationship nonetheless you know uh sometimes we can have you know it's kind of type one and type two inspiration right and type one inspiration is you see something done and you go oh my god i would love to do that type two inspiration i always think of as you see something done you go oh i I mean i i can do better than that i mean i'm not that crap so i'll be all right like i can know i can beat that um i was just wondering if there's any writers over the past like year or so especially now you've started this new novel that you've contemporary or historical um that you've really been kind of either reading for the first time or coming back to and going oh yeah oh no this is the juice this is make this is mm, i'm enjoying this or or you've been reading and it's been sparking you in a way that's more complicated than that um oh yeah that is putting me on the spot in relation to what we've just spoken about like i mean i've enjoying um exhuming bloody kipling again which is again someone who you know i have a very complex relationship with <laughs> i can't deny that enjoy reading i sort of grew up with those stories the just those stories i really sort of enjoyed kipling um but again there are things i gotta speak back to and 
try to extend and open up. I have to know, like I, I have the what the type what was it type uh one where I'm like, I would love to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Is this kind of like the next novel is kind of a series of novels, like kind of like a, a, a triptych, kind of not quite not quite like a quite a trilogy in that like there's no I don't think at least at this very early stage anything that would um travel through character wise or like uh that kind of thing all through them but there is definite sort of thematic sort of coterminous things that are happening with all three books which will take me I don't know how long to to write but that's what I want to do next but like looking at sort of a Rachel Cuss trilogy or like even um the uh, Beckett's trilogy of like um Malone dies unable unable and um Murphy I think so 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 you have like these these novels that are almost a, a a specific project that they're trying to get to and almost trying and failing each time just like with Beckett's thing so it's like trying failing trying failing and then getting to actual Oh, the problem's language. Let's just not stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, like that overarching project in different manifestations is really interesting to me. So that's what I'm trying to launch myself into now. I, I, I really want to say, and someone, anyone contemporary, contemporary, um, someone who's really sort of like, um, you're, you're casting around desperately now to for someone to save you <laughs> yeah yeah because there have been kind of extraordinary books recently it's just i can't make them which is really awful I, I i don't i don't i don't think it is i get that sort of pressure that i feel like i'm supposed to name something that came out in the last six months that i loved and as much as I want to give people shout outs, it often takes like just a little while for something to sort of bed in for me in terms of my personal sense of it. And so, and I read a lot of older stuff and yeah, I, I get that. But I mean, literally, I don't know. There, there are, there are specific things that sort of are shining as I put them on. Like Will Harris's book, um, it's a poetry book, Brother Poem, where, you know, they, I mean, it's sort of extraordinary in, talking about like sort of casting not poems to a brother that doesn't exist like what the fuck and why yeah. um, <laughs> and it makes you it makes you it just really like it just stuns you to the point where it 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 it, it tickles that part of you that that wants to be a little braver and and sort of summon a bit more courage to just make people be intrigued in almost a uh, rattling violent way. Like <sighs> I, I really love, but I really love Will, and it's like it's a but sort of bafflingly intriguing. I'm gonna read it again and again and again, not again to comprehend, but enjoying the bewilderment of it. <laughs> you know, it's I guess those are like. There, there's sometimes that kind of permission writer where you just go, I didn't know you're allowed to do that. And then you remember as a kind of shock, oh, I'm allowed to do anything. And as long as I do it with sort of enough confidence and try and make it worth the reader's while, 
in retrospect, it might even look obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, thank you so much. That's made me feel uh, really uh, jazzed up now. So, um, so uh, thank you very, very much. Uh, if um, people want to find your book and read it, I'll put a link in the show notes to today's episode so people can uh, go and grab a copy of Mr. Mr. Um, Guy, thank you so much uh, for chatting to me today. I really appreciate it. No, of course, Dan. I'll see you in another five years. <laughs> And to everyone listening, uh, I wish you a wonderful week of writing.